Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, Incline listeners. Looking to start your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Now, you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can have it heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What is up, everyone? Thank you for listening to The Incline. I'm your host, Kevin Klein. You can follow me on Twitter, at Klein25. It's July 31st. It's trade deadline day. Big moves expected to go down. Your Los Angeles Dodgers, 70 and 39 on the season. First team to 70 wins in Major League Baseball. Some teams don't even win 70 games in an entire season. I'm looking at you, Baltimore. But here we are. End of July, Dodgers already have 70 wins. They're on pace to win 100 games if all goes well. Have a pretty mighty lead in the NL West as we speak. The month of July, not as good as other months, but they still have managed to go 13-10 and 10 so far with one more game to play against the Colorado Rockies later this afternoon. Coming off a nice 9-4 win over the Rockies yesterday evening. Game started off with a boom. A.J. Pollock leads the game off with a home run. I've been looking forward to seeing Pollock lead off for some time now. I really like the matchup, especially against lefties. It's a good bat to keep at the top of your lineup. Julio Urias gets the start. He went two and and two-thirds innings. Hit a little speed bump at the end of the game, allowing three runs, but still looked pretty solid overall. Casey Sadler gets the win. He's 1-0. He's been a nice, quiet pickup for the Dodgers thus far. He has a 163 ERA. And then on the flip side of things, Kyle Freeland. Kyle Freeland started opening day for the Rockies. He had moved into that ace type of role 
last season. I believe he was in the top five or near it for Cy Young Award voting. Had a good start opening day, went seven innings, didn't give up many runs. But after that, especially at home, it's been a disaster. He's got sent down to AAA as well this season. But Kyle Freeland, 2-9 with a 7.48 ERA. What a disaster so far. And then the new guy for the Dodgers, I mean, Tyler White, he had a good 11 pitch at bat and an RBI. But Christopher Negron, he hit a home run. And then Russell Martin follows that up immediately with a home run himself. Justin Turner went deep. He hit his 16th home run. And then Tony Gonsolin out of the bullpen. Four inning save. Gonsolin got called up from AAA just a couple days ago. At one point was slated to start the game, but then they moved him out of the bullpen. This was a good rebound after Gonsolin got roughed up in Arizona. Gonsolin getting sent back down to AAA, though, because Dylan Floro is going to be activated off the IL. But we don't know if Gonsolin will stick around much longer. He could be trade bait, but if he's not, he's going to be a solid starting pitcher for the Dodgers one day. So the final game of this series... Features Hunjin Ryu and Herman Marquez. But I still got to talk about that first game in the series that the Dodgers lost. So, so far it's a split series, 1-1 each. Game one featured Kenta Maeda. And he took the loss. Dodgers lost that game 9-1. And unfortunately, Kenta Maeda, since winning that start May 31st, Maeda is 0-6 since then. His last seven outings, he has a 497 ERA. He is now 7-8 on the season, and Maeda looked terrible in that rocky start. The weird thing with Maeda is he's holding the opposition to a low batting average, yet the guy doesn't pitch efficiently. Getting to five innings seems to always be a struggle for this guy. He really struggles in the first inning as well. And I said a couple months back that I was fed up with Maeda, and I still do not trust Kenta Maeda to be a starter once the playoffs start. The problem with Maeda is he doesn't have a lot of swing and miss stuff, and teams just are able to work his pitch count up so easily. We'll be lucky if Maeda goes four innings just because he doesn't throw hard. He throws his slider way too much. And honestly, he gets burned out just way too quick. The fact that Maeda hasn't won a game since May 31st is kind of a bit of a red flag. I mean, not all those starts are his fault. There are some outings where he didn't get run support. But at the end of the day, I really think the Dodgers need to make a trade and add a starter. I don't even care if it's a league average guy. With Ross Stripling on the IL and... He always seems to get burned out anyways come playoff time. The Dodgers got to make a move. We're going to talk about the trade deadline in just a moment. Let's finish off this Rocky series real quick. Hopefully the Dodgers can win the series and just cap off what's been a miserable month of July for the Rockies. They're like 6-16. and 16. They're nearly in last place. They're like 19 out, 19 and a half out going to feature Ryu as I said he's 11 and 2 has a 174 ERA and he's taking on Herman Marquez who's 10 and 5 he has a 488 ERA 
Now, on the road, Marquez has been a good pitcher. However, at home, in course Field, Herman Marquez, he's 4-2, and two, and he has a 7.07 ERA. His last two outings were on the road. He's gone seven innings each start, and he's only allowed two runs. But his last game at home at Coors Field, the Giants slaughtered him. He allowed 11 runs. So this is good news for the Dodgers. They're facing a guy who has a 7.07 home ERA. However, on, Ju- on June 28th, Hunjin Ryu was on the mound in Coors Field as well for the Dodgers. And he allowed seven runs to the Rockies. So this game, even though it features two really good pitchers, I mean, Ryu has a 174 ERA, for crying out loud, but it doesn't matter when you go to Coors Field. The ball is flying. Nolan Arenado is hitting 6 9 14 for 23, with four home runs off for you. So that's pretty much ownage. And as well, Ian Desmond, he's 5 for 10 with four RBIs. I remember... Dodgers had to face Marquez earlier this season. I was looking up the BVP, and there's one guy that stood out, and I was bummed that he was on the IL, and that's A.J. Pollock. A.J. Pollock is hitting 474, 9 for 19 off Marquez. So if he's in the lineup today, and actually, we got the lineup right now, guys, and he is not in the lineup. So even though A.J. Pollock is 9 for 19 against Marquez, I guess they're going to bench him. Okay, anyways, hopefully Ryu doesn't give up seven runs again because that took a big blemish on his ERA. He should have an ERA at like 1.3 right now, but because of that course field start, kind of jacked things up. I'm still going to say the Dodgers win this game. Will someone get traded during the game? Hopefully. Um, I'm looking at a certain guy, which I'll get to in a second. But let's talk about this trade deadline because that's what everyone actually cares about. So yesterday, we had a big trade go down. And that was a three-way trade, actually. We'll start with the big guy. The Cincinnati Reds, they acquired from the Cleveland Indians, Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer, he was 9-8. and eight. He had a 379 ERA, 185 strikeouts in about 150 innings. What a big move by the Reds. They're going to have to pay him a lot next season. Experts expected to be in the $20 million range. But if the Reds are trying to make a push to win in 2020, this is the guy they're going to want at the front of their rotation. Now, Bauer, he has a bit of a temper. His last start for the Indians was memorable or not memorable, depending on which side you want to argue for. He literally took a baseball, chucked it over the outfield wall from the pitching mound, was then taken out and just not a good ending whatsoever. So the Reds get Bauer. Now the Indians. The Indians acquired Yasiel Puig, who's hitting 252, 22 home runs, 61 RBIs. Pretty good season thus far. Really heating up after a very a dismal start. Now Yasiel Puig, he had a interesting ending as well yesterday it was announced he got traded and literally minutes later 
Yasiel Puig finds himself in the middle of a brawl between the Pirates. It was Chris Archer, a couple other guys, Amir Garrett for the Reds. And they had to throw out Puig and those other guys as well. So Puig in another brawl. So that's two guys that got traded. Also, Yasiel Puig at one point, maybe two years ago, there's a picture of him flipping off Cleveland Indians fans. So very interesting scenario right there. They also acquired from the San Diego Padres, Framrail Reyes. We've talked about him a few times on the incline because he's hit home runs off the Dodgers. He has 27 home runs. Then they acquired a 98th ranked prospect overall, Logan Allen, and then a pitcher Moss. Logan Allen... He's only 22, hasn't had a good career thus far in the major leagues. His ERA is pretty high, like in the six range. Could be a good addition down the line, maybe in two or three years. Now, from the Indians' perspective, not a big fan of this move long term. It makes sense in 2019. They needed some hitters. The outfield was probably the weakest part of this team. Now they got Puig and Reyes to throw out there. However, they're giving up Trevor Bauer and... When it boils down to things in the playoffs, you want to have the strongest rotation possible because pitching is what wins. And when you lose a guy like Bauer, you're really risking losing that guy that could keep you in the ballgame and, you know, you just have to manufacture a couple runs. Now, they still have Shane Bieber, Mike Clevenger, and hopefully Corey Kluber. Those will be their big three. But... I mean, it would have been nice to have Bauer facing those Astros and Yankees, you got to assume. So it's really interesting. And then the San Diego Padres, they were the third team in this deal. And they picked up the Reds' top prospect, 21-year-old Trammell. Now, some people are probably thinking, like, why would the Padres give up so much for just one prospect? Well, Trammell is the 30th ranked prospect overall in Major League Baseball and... I really love this move for the Padres because it gives them a really strong farm piece to their system. It really allows them to build more trade leverage because I really think their long-term goal is to trade for an ace. Now, they really want the Mets' Noah Syndergaard, who at this point in time appears to not be getting traded. He even started yesterday. Sources say that the Padres offered four players to the Mets some of them already major leaguers and they got denied maybe the Padres go elsewhere or they look to try to open things up again in the winter meetings but Trammell really good outfielder gives the Padres more leverage to make a trade if not well then they have another solid young piece to build towards the future because yeah the Padres in 2019 aren't a threat But I'm going to keep saying in 2020 or 2021, depending on how things go, they're they're going to eventually be a contender in the NOS and possibly win a division. A few other trades that went down. Nothing major. The Atlanta Braves acquired reliever Chris Martin from the Texas Rangers. Now, when I see the name Chris Martin, I immediately think of the lead singer from Coldplay. But apparently this is a different Chris Martin. And good ground ball pitcher. It's his big area of strength. And I believe he's 30 years old. He's kind of having his best season of his career. A few people linked the Dodgers to him. But 
I didn't want Chris Martin. The guy had like a five ERA in the past, a six ERA. He had to go to Japan for a little while to fix his mechanics. Though he's having a good start thus far, it could all fall apart in the second half. We've seen it before. Rangers get a left-handed pitcher named Kobe Allard. Minor move here, but the Cubs acquired David Phelps, a reliever out of the bullpen. The Phillies acquired from the New York Mets, Jason Vargas. He's a lefty. He is the softest throwing pitcher in baseball. His fastball is like 85 miles an hour. Dodgers faced him earlier this season. He, he did a pretty good job of keeping the Dodgers in check, though the Dodgers did end up winning that game. And the Mets, they get a double-A catcher named with the last name Bozart. Jason Vargas, he looks like that chill 50-year-old guy you could just have small talk with anytime at the gym. Got that curly gray hair, wears the glasses in his post game. And then the Milwaukee Brewers, they made some moves. They acquired from the Pittsburgh Pirates Jordan Lyles, former Rocky. Now Lyles, he was off to a pretty good start the first couple months of the season. Kept his ERA in the low three range. Since then, he's real. He's really tailed off. I mean, it's gotten bad. His ERA is over five now. And I told the Brewers they needed pitching. I don't know if Viles is the answer. Then they also just recently sent out Jesus Aguilar, a.k.a. CeeLo Green. He's going to Tampa Bay. And I like this return a lot more. They're getting Jacob Faria. Now, Faria was a pretty good rookie two years ago. He's kind of hit a wall since and hasn't been able to claw his way out. But I like the upside. And, you know, I think Faria... Could put it together. Okay, now the weirdest trade. It went down a few days ago. Did not see this coming. I'm sorry. I told the. I said the New York Yankees were going to acquire this guy. But no, it's a different New York team. The New York Mets, out of nowhere, acquire Marcus Stroman from the Toronto Blue Jays. They sent their fourth and sixth ranked prospect in their farm system to the Jays. Anthony Kay and Simeon Woods Richardson. And honestly, this is a pretty questionable move from the Blue Jays, or sorry, from the Mets standpoint. They're supposed to be trying to rebuild, get young assets, try to be competitive in the future. But instead, they're acquiring someone who's already 26 or soon to be 27, doesn't have that much left on his contract. And yeah, they're going to pair him with Syndergaard, DeGrom, Mats. But do the Mets realistically think they're going to be competitive this season or even next season? I just, I really don't get what the New York Mets are doing when acquiring Marcus Stroman, other than trying to screw the New York Yankees. They need young hitters because, honestly, the offense is what keeps the Mets down every year. And who knows? I mean, Zach Wheeler could get moved. Cover that in a second, but... Syndergaard, DeGrom, any one of them could be the next guy to flame out and be just like Matt Harvey. I don't like this trade from the Mets standpoint whatsoever. And then Oakland A's, they made a small trade. A guy that was linked to the Dodgers, but didn't end up working that way. Left-handed reliever Jake Diekman going to the Oakland Athletics from the Kansas City Royals and... 
A lot of people wanted Deekman to come to the Dodgers. I, for one, did not. Now, Deekman was actually the Arizona Diamondbacks trade deadline pickup just a season ago, and he actually fell apart. I mean, he had an ERA over seven and a half, and he was unusable. This season, he has an ERA of nearly five. And yeah, the the peripherals kind of show that Deekman has been a little unlucky, bad defense behind him. But I just I wasn't a buyer on this guy whatsoever. I think the Dodgers are wise to not trade for him, honestly. Now, we just had a breaking news trade. Martin, Martin Maldonado, who was just traded like a week ago, he's on the move again. He's going to the Houston Astros from the Cubs. Maldonado actually was on the Astros last season. Well, he's going back there once again. Okay, so... You know, other moves that could happen by the 1 o'clock trade deadline. The Astros, they want a starter, as far as we know, and maybe a reliever. Will Madison Bumgarner or Zach Wheeler head to Houston? That remains to be seen. If they get Mad Bum, I'm going to be a little scared, to be honest. If they get Zach Wheeler, I love that. Although I think they could turn him into a really fine pitcher one day. In the past, the Dodgers have owned Zach Wheeler. You can look that up. Robbie Ray, another guy who could be on the move. New York Yankees seem to be someone linked to him after missing out, missing out on Stroman. Will Robbie Ray go to the Yankees? We will see. The Dodgers, they haven't made a big move yet. They've acquired a couple bats, which was not what we were expecting. Will the Dodgers acquire Shane Green? Will it be Ken Giles, who now has an elbow issue? Will they go back to get Daniel Hudson? Will they end up getting Edwin Diaz from the Mets? It's really interesting. Other guys out there, Alex Colome, Jose Leclerc, Mike Leak has been linked to the Brewers now. Uh, Nick Castellanos, another guy rumored to be traded from Detroit. Will Syndergaard end up getting moved last second? It's a lot of interesting stuff that could go down. You know, look for the Cardinals to make a move. Look for the Cubs to maybe make a pitching move or maybe a hitter. I still think Jonathan VR is someone that makes a lot of sense. Trey Mancini from the Baltimore Orioles. He's a really nice bat. We'll see if he gets moved. A lot of relief pitchers still out there that have yet to be traded. It's going to be a really interesting trade deadline. I really want to see the Dodgers acquire a great reliever and a starting pitcher as well. Felipe Vasquez, the Pittsburgh Pirates are just nuts. They want Gavin Lux from the Dodgers. And honestly, the Pirates, they can go screw themselves. I've been saying literally since the day that trade went down with Chris Archer, the Rays absolutely fleeced the Pirates. Chris Archer has like a five and a half ERA with the Pirates. Guy's just been on the decline every single year. He is not on the incline. And the Pirates, they gave up Austin Meadows. I had this guy ranked as a future all-star. Well, guess what? He made the all-star team in 2019. They gave up Tyler Glass now. A guy who had really good stuff, just didn't have the right coaching. Was having a fantastic season, leading baseball in the in terms of ERA, but then he got shelved onto the IL with an injury. Similar thing to what Rich Hill has. And then they 
got Chaz Rowe, who's looked like a pretty solid reliever thus far. And, um... So, yeah, they also gave up Garrett Cole to the Astros. And, you know what? Garrett Cole was a pretty good starter with Pittsburgh. Now the guy is on fire. I mean, he leads baseball in strikeouts. He's he's on pace to have 300. Garrett Cole was a steal for Houston. So now the Pirates, they're pretty butthurt. They want to rob the Dodgers. It's not going to happen, guys. I don't think Felipe Vasquez gets moved for Lux. I would hopefully, hopefully, sorry, I certainly hope not. So, yeah, that's the little trade deadline spiel. Expect the Dodgers to get someone like Edwin Diaz, I would hope. Maybe they lower it and get Shane Green. It's interesting stuff. We got one more series to cover. Dodgers, Padres. I almost combined those two teams' names. The Dodgers, the Padres. So far this year, the Dodgers, they hold a 5-4 to four series lead against the Padres because the San Diego Padres won the last three heading into that all-star break. And I believe that was the first time the Padres had won three in a row at Dodger Stadium in many years. It wasn't pretty. Now the Padres, they're 50-57 and 57 on the season. Andy Green, he's got to go. Friar Phil will tell you all about that. But they're 19 games behind the Dodgers. They're 4-6 and six in their last 10. And they have one of the worst offenses in baseball. Game 1 looks like it's going to feature Joey Lucchese. Did pretty well his last time out against the Dodgers. Other than that, in the past, the Dodgers have had his number. Well, he's 7-5. He has a 4-12 ERA, 107 strikeouts. And he's going to take on Clayton Kershaw, 9-2. He's made 18 starts thus far. He's got a 2.85 ERA, and he's got 117 strikeouts in 117 innings. I mean, look at that. Clayton Kershaw, all-star this year in 2019, ERA under 3. For someone that's pitched as long as Kershaw has, you got to love what you're seeing. I mean, nothing but respect to one of the greatest starters in Dodgers franchise history. And he looks to carry on his success against the Padres. Hopefully he gets some run support. I mean, Kershaw could be, honestly, a Cy Young candidate this year if the bullpen hadn't blown so many leads for him. But Kershaw, he's got a couple guys he's got to worry about. Eric Hosmer... Even though Hosmer is a left-handed batter, there's some reverse splits there. Hosmer, 9 for 24. That's a 375 average against Kershaw. And then Manny Machado, he's 4 for 9 off Kershaw with two home runs and five RBIs. And then the young phenom, Fernando, Fernando Tadis Jr. He's 2 for 4 against Kershaw. Yeah, so Tadis Jr. is a hitter. You definitely have to watch out for. He's a rookie. Dodgers avoided him the first time these two teams met up, but ever since then they faced him. He had a home run off the Dodgers not too long ago. It was a leadoff home run. Tadis Jr. this season is hitting 329 with 19 home runs, 45 RBIs, 
If it wasn't for Pete Alonso, this is your rookie of the year. There's still plenty of baseball left. So, Tatis Jr. very well could end up being the rookie of the year. I don't know if I'm correct on this, but message me on Twitter if I'm right or wrong. Was it his dad, Tatis, someone who hit two grand slams off the Dodgers in one game? If so, it looks like his son is carrying on the tradition of having some success against the Dodgers. The next game in the series looks like it's going to be Eric Lauer. Now, you probably know the name by now because Eric Lauer just seems to always bring his A game against the Dodgers. Let me tell you the difference right here. Eric Lauer in 2019, he's 5 and 8, 452 ERA, 81 strikeouts. That's pretty mediocre. He's still young, but now listen to this. He's made 5 starts against the Dodgers. He's 3 and 0 with a 147 ERA. Insane. He's going to take on Walker Buehler, 9-2, 3.38 ERA. Buehler looking to rebound after a pretty rough outing. After that, third game of the series, Padres haven't officially announced their starter yet. Maybe it's someone they trade for. Who knows? He's going to take on Kenta Maeda, and we already talked about Maeda, so let's just move on. Last game of the series, because... This is a four-game series. Features Chris Paddock, the newly anointed ace of the Padres. He's 7-5, 278 ERA. First game against the Dodgers, he got rocked. Second game, really rebounded. Kept the Dodgers in check. Didn't give up anything, maybe a run at the most. And the Dodgers don't have a starter yet because their fifth starter, Ross Stripling, is on the IL and they had to do a bullpen game. So we'll see what happens. You know, the Padres, they have a pretty decent bullpen. They have a lot of young guys in there. So depending on the matchup, Dodgers could get to the bullpen. I think it's going to be a really fun and competitive series. I think the Padres, they always seem to do well against good teams, but they do terrible against bad teams. I mean, they held they held their own against teams like the Dodgers, Chicago, St. Louis, Milwaukee. But then against the Marlins and Baltimore Orioles, they lost those series. And then they got completely pounded by the Giants. So look out for Manny Machado. I mean, the former Dodger. He's hitting 278 now. He's got he's got 26 home runs, 67 RBIs. So Machado having a really good season. After what looked like a very slow start, hitting in the 240s, really heating up. I mean, he's got a 10-year contract with this team, so long ways to go. So the Dodgers, let's just talk about some guys, how they did in July. Justin Turner, he hit 244, seven home runs, 13 RBIs. Cody Bellinger, he had 275, seven home runs. I mean, we're so spoiled by Bellinger hitting in the 350s. I mean, 400 at one point. 
to see him hit 275 is like, oh. But you'll take a 275 average from your top hitter any day. Max Muncy really struggled. He hit 213, six home runs. Alex Verdugo, rookie slump. He's hitting 208 with three home runs in that month of July. You could tell if slump was getting to him. He even had an at-bat without his batting gloves, which is the first time he did that all season long. Now the last guy I got to talk about, I'm going to leave you on a little sour note, but Jock Peterson. I'm sorry, but I really hope Jock Peterson gets traded today at the deadline. First of all, he batted 212 in the month of July, three home runs, 10 RBIs. He's not a leadoff hitter, guys. Yeah, the the occasional leadoff home run might be exciting, but it's killing this offense overall. He doesn't get on base enough. He doesn't get a lot of singles. His approach is home run or bust. And then they moved him over to first base, and it's been a disaster. Jock Peterson playing first has been horrible. Ever since they moved Jock over to first about a month ago, the team number of errors committed has doubled. They continue to lead the National League with 79 errors. Jock Peterson, I mean, you throw the ball to him, he drops it. He's looking for pop flies. He drops them. He doesn't have the right footing to catch some bad throws, so then they go wild. But Jock Peterson at first, the defense is just a hot mess. They've got like 30-something errors in a month. It's not good. Thank you all for checking out the incline. Very curious to see what goes down at the deadline today. Check out a little bit of surprise we got later for you this afternoon. Hope you all have a good rest of your week ahead and a great weekend. The incline will be back to cover more baseball. Go Los Angeles Dodgers. You can follow me on Twitter. LA Bleeds Blue. The incline. Kevin Klein. All that. We out. MC
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.